0: Along these lines, there are so many fake gurus out there and fake influencers that kind of try to take advantage of uh, people who just want to have that quick buck, right? There's nothing really happens like in a week or a couple of months. It's kind of a steady strategy, like I said, you know, the first thousand, four thousand, five thousand, same thing with the money. And I think those are the ones that really work well. And if somebody tells you, uh, I'll, I'll send you $10,000, give me $1,000 check. <laughs> you got to save it from me.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the picture of wealth, or TPOW as we call it. I am your host, Dustin Service. That is the voice of VK Lakanene. Now, VK is a entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, Tele Award recipient, three times Amazon bestselling author, and a digital marketing entrepreneur who's enthusiastic about unpacking what seems to be working in the marketing and digital space. We talk a lot about different things from marketing, the book that I'm promoting, to how to sell something on Amazon if you're considering having a side hustle or maybe just selling a product you already have online. He lays out what seems to be working on Amazon and then breaks it down what influencers are doing today to drive business there, even though they might have a very short time in a business segment, how they are attracting clients. Again, he talks a little bit about mindset and happiness and coaching and different connections he's met along the way and what he's learned. I'm excited today to have VK Lakanene on the show today and talk everything digital marketing and getting ahead online. VK, thanks a lot for coming on the show today.
0: Thank you, Dustin. for having me.
1: My first question is going to be uh, a selfish one, which I, I think some of the, the listeners will appreciate because everyone has probably bought a book on Amazon. And as somebody who's about to release a book in a couple months, help us understand the journey to being a best-selling author on Amazon. And what that sounds like a lot of work to me. And how, how do you do it? Where does a person start? And then give us your journey to uh, becoming a best-selling author online.
0: So being an author, I can probably look at a lot of things that are a lot easier. But like anything else, when you're doing it by yourself, in the initial stages, there's a lot of fear. Like, how do I do that? What are the best approaches? And, you know, whether anybody would buy my book or not, right? Um, And I did reach out to a number of publishers and I compiled that list of 30 publishers and say, these are the ones that I want to work with and see what kind of donors they publish and, you know, what kind of money is involved and whatnot. And through that research, what I figured out is the publishing industry changed a lot and a lot of books are uh, self-published since the days of, um, like, Robin Shermer the monk who sold his Ferrari, one of the best-selling books ever. And that changed my mindset in terms of, I'd rather wait three to five years, try to find this publisher and make it perfect and launch it, or partner up with some other like-minded people. And the publisher is already there, and we just kind of self funding our project. And whatever the proceeds that comes out of this project gets donated to Entrepreneurship Foundation or an orphanage. So our vision became from being an author to what is the end goal and how we are helping the people around us or the community that need help. And there is one thing that's common with every entrepreneur's story, or uh, turning into an author. It's basically sharing our struggles and what we went through, the refusals that the Niels and whatnot. So that's how you connect to the audiences because everybody looks at the Alan Musk. Okay, he's doing so great and so popular, Amazon best selling author. Uh but the the core level, everybody goes through the same struggles. When you can put those stories out as authentic as possible then people connect with those. things, So that's what really helps you to bring other people together. And once you put it on Amazon, like, you know, once you have 10 people, if you look at, on the average, we all have 150 LinkedIn connections. These are like really good that you know somebody in person, that kind of connections. There you go. Launch the date. And there is a strategy behind it, how there are a lot of people just put the books out but there's no sales. But there is a lot that happens building up to that release date and build that momentum and have everything in place. Like you need to sell X amount of books and generate X amount of revenues to get that Amazon best selling author status because you know you will be floating that week or that day in the top ten. And then once you have it, you might not be there afterwards. But again, knowing that logistics and see who you want to work with, how do you pick the publisher? Who's going to be in this book? What kind of story that are you going to sell? Um, And it doesn't happen overnight. You know, for me, it was like a four or five years spending an hour every day, writing it out. And with the mindset of, I want to publish my own book and then realizing I can co-author with other people and make it quicker and faster to get my story out. Once you have that status up, then you can work on releasing your own books. So it's just kind of like taking a step back, but at the same time, it's just being strategic about how do you want to get that status and, you know, the the command in the industry.
1: Were you, you mentioned it pre-show, but uh, were, did you unpack some strategies that were working or were you unpacking, you know, were you looking at Amazon how-to market or were you looking at other influencers and how they build their platforms?
0: Yeah, like everything is down to data and science. You know, I, I'm i a marketer by trade, but I was a programmer as well before that. So I look at it, um, the fundamentals of everything and reverse engineering, what's really working and what's not. And with any of these Amazon best-selling books, there are certain categories where you can list it and how many categories have you put your book out. It's kind of very strategic. Like there are certain months There are no books in such a category. So how do you write a book in that genre and then say, you know, you can be best-selling author quicker and faster. But the motivations can be different for everybody. But one thing I just want to, um, you know, do it's a myth. Like, authors making a lot of money, that's a myth. Like, as soon as that you take that out of your head and then start working towards it, it gets easier. Because I know how many authors... um, like I do workshops. So I know these authors or wanna be authors. I'm waiting for that million dollars check or I'm waiting for that fifty million dollars check. That's like, you know, one to five percent unless you're like uh, you know, Barack Obama or Michelle Obama, like you know, you're not gonna get there unless you sell hundreds of thousands of millions of books. Uh but to get there, it's not gonna happen overnight. So maybe the FAST book, maybe you sell thousand copies. That's incredible achievement. Maybe 5,000 copies in a day. That can get to Amazon bestseller status. So there are steps you can take, but, you know, do I have that next 10 years just working on that one project, right? Yeah, no, I, I can't remember what the average is of how many
1: books an author actually sells. I think it's 500 in the life of its book, or maybe you you know that. But... um. Okay, so when we look at like things like digital marketing and, and companies that are trying to you know really expand and market a lot, on the podcast scene right now, Athletic Greens seems to be uh, a thing. Are you familiar with this, Athletic Greens? No. Had to, You're not. Had to share. I'll give you another one. Are you familiar with Grant Cardone? Yes. <laughs> okay, so Grant Cardone for anyone, love him or hate him, uh, real estate guru slash marketer is what he really is so this is a person who is trying to basically create influencer status for a certain reason to build you know realistically a real estate investment firm take people's money invested in real estate but he's using his coaching platform so what have you found for him like what is he doing that is you know accelerating the growth because he is you know in the last few years has really sort of blown up
0: a lot of these things are fundamentals, right? Like going back to the days of Rich Dad, Poor Dad books, right? Like Think and Grow Rich or The Millionaire Mindset um, or Become a Millionaire in 12 Months or even like Tim Ferriss, like, you know, Four-Hour work Workweek. Um, all these books talk about how do you find freedom and happiness? And at the end of the day, yes, the revenues and number, it's all there, but every single one of them, whether it's Grant Cardone or Tim Ferriss or somebody else at that level, or people like you and me, we're all trying to find that freedom to do things in our own time and find the joy and happiness in our life. But how does that tie into the money? And basically, you still have to live in the society, you still have to pay the bills, still have to pay the taxes, and you still have to accelerate your growth so that you have a certain lifestyle. And... For Grant Cardone, for example, uh, he advises how do you use uh, your money wisely rather than buying a house, you know, how do you invest that and create assets that generate revenues for you. And no matter where in the world, that's the best strategy. You create the assets that's either like, you know, being a programmer. If you create a platform in SaaS, Basically the monthly fee that keeps coming in and then keeps coming in. And the same thing goes with the real estate investments. You know, you buy a Section 8 properties and you have all these rentals coming in. And then three years later, five years later, you flip through. And I think a lot of these people know how to leverage debt and then how to use that debt to create more assets so that more revenues. And you know, these these strategies, like, you know, I really admire about people are to use the money wisely to create more wealth in their life. At the same time, advocating other people or creating that uh, influencers. Uh, so you sell a coaching program or you become an ambassador, or you take a certain percentage of whatever you're selling. Uh, everybody has a different approach, but at the end of the day, it just has to be the solid foundation for anybody's future. So if I'm signing up for Grant Cardone's program or Jack Canfield program, I got to look at it realistically, see, okay, you know, I'm investing X amount of time, X amount of money into this, what would be the returns and how long, and is it sustainable? And along these lines, there are so many fake gurus out there and fake influencers that kind of try to take advantage of uh, people who just want to have that quick buck, right? And there's nothing really happens like in a week or a in a, in a couple of months, it's kind of a steady strategy. Like I said, you know the 5,000, thousand, five thousand, same thing with the money. And I think those are the ones that really work well. And if somebody tells you, uh, I'll, "I'll send you ten thousand dollars, give me a thousand dollars check," <laughs> you got to stay very prepared.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, my wife and I were talking about the other day that you know if you have a podcast or a book and you, you know you don't really have any experience. If you were a confident speaker, you could actually be perceived as an expert. In the days of the past, it was, you know, whether it's science, you know, I'm wading into some interesting, uh, political views here, but different people, it's like, well, if it's science or you've got 30 years of experience in something, then you're an, a qualified expert. But nowadays, you know, literally, you know, I see some influencers with tons of followers on online and, uh, you know, they're fitness gurus or experts, but they're extremely fit, but they've really been, fit for about a year and all of a sudden they're an extreme expert and people are, you know, gospel that whatever they say they're changing their diet, they're using their supplements just cuz they're using it. Well, that's different than someone who's got 20, 30 years using different supplements, using different techniques. So again, uh, you know, how do you how do you as a, a marketer, you know, working with clients, like how do you sift that when someone approaches you and says they want to do a big marketing campaign in one direction? And you say, like, well, really, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we should go there. Like, for a listener who wants to market their business, you know, how do you match up authentic and yeah, a uh, business owner who sees an
0: opportunity? I definitely came across um, such a prospect to clients that said, hey, you know, we want to get that 10,000 followers in a week or overnight. Um, you know, they're all just kind of. Tricks, right? Like the snake aisle tactics, uh, they don't really help the business in the long term. But there are some influencers who use that type of taxes just to have that visibility. And in a sense, they're not really their customers. You know, they're just kind of followers, like generated by bots, whatever, like even the likes. And I have seen that a lot, like even that influencer giveaway campaigns and I personally participated in some of them to really see what's happening in the background and understand some of this. None of them really gets any value out of that. And with any influencer out there that's really successful making money, it's great. Like, you know, their content is funny, it's educational, it's entertaining, and then they're offering some value. And the younger generation just like to watch these videos on TikTok or Instagram Reels or wherever that is. But a professional like you and I or a fitness instructor that's been in the industry for 20 years, definitely that becomes, uh, you know, creates some sort of insecurity. Like, I'm not like that influencer online that's making a lot of money. But truthfully, how many of these best-selling authors or people that you come across or I come across, they're really popular, really knowledgeable, but financially it's not there. Like it doesn't come across, they're wealthy, but they have so much wisdom and knowledge and no, there's nobody else can match that kind of wisdom. Um, so they don't know how to take care of like, you know, the social media and leverage that from the business perspective, but these tools allowing a lot of younger generations growing up with it, use these tools, which is online. So, um, I'll give you an example. How many times people just go through somebody else's YouTube video or newsfeed talking about what's in there and just build a credibility around it? But this person doesn't have any knowledge around what is happening there. It's just going through what's out there, but perceived as an influencer and making some online dollars. So does it last long forever? Probably not, like, you know, unless you become like Mr. Beast, like, you know, Mr. Beast is perfect example. Everybody knows him, talks about him. Uh, and I, uh, I followed him because, you know, being in the industry and whatnot, you got to admire these people, uh, especially the younger generation. He said, "Who who is this? I, I have the book,
1: the YouTube formula. I just bought it. And he, I think he's the the main
0: character of it. But who is
1: Mr. Beast?
0: So Mr. Beast is just like a YouTube influencer. And first 500 videos didn't get any traction at all. And then it just kind of adding up, adding up, adding up. And then eventually he's one of the richest YouTubers in the world. And with anything with the economics and the influencing world, how it's changing is if you have the followers, you can create a product out of it. It's totally opposite to create a product, test it in the market, push it to the people versus use your influence and say, hey, you know, Mr. Beast Burger is out or Mr. Beast is going to be here with the pizza. There you go. Right. And that's where it's shifting. And I think that's where the shift in the world um, in terms of how you create products. Like if you have the influence, you can use it to leverage, create products. So you're generating revenues. And like, you can really see the Mr. Beast transition. Like he's really like a 17, 18 year old kid, like, and then now just with his beard and everything, how we transitioned and how he really challenged that, um, uh, the Netflix documentary and say, I'm recreating this in real life. And then anything with the advertising or marketing world, there's no such thing as a bad, a publicity, you know, it's a publicity and people take slides based on how they think about the product or the person. Uh, so that really helped his career. And so, like, what I want to say is don't get too concerned about what's happening with this influencer wall, but just focus on where you're at with your local community groups and how do you build locally and then scale it out. And it might take time, you know, sometimes years. And some of these YouTubers, they're doing it, like, for 7, 8 years. You know, it's, it's not yeah. like, you know... A, Without like 100 videos and then just kind of overnight phenomena. You know, I I even personally, I look at like my personal brand, I focus on certain things. But when you look at my YouTube, there's maybe 76 videos out there, you know, right? Like, but being consistent in what's proven to be working really well and picking the right niche at the same time. VK, let's have, uh, excuse me, let's have a debate.
1: Let's have a friendly debate. And you are a digital marketer selling. You know, clients on you know the advantages of digital marketing. So, I'm in the business of uh, you know working with clients. Two million to twenty million is sort of our our target, you know, net worth, or that's where we do our best business is for those clients. So, if I have X amount of dollars, let's let's put dollars on it so it makes it easy. If I have four thousand dollars a month, and I'm going to say, you know, we could do a digital campaign, <clears throat> excuse me, or I could take ten potential clients out for dinner at $400 per dinner a month uh-huh. so we could do it slow and steady face to face or there's advantages to digital i'm i'm asking this because i i have i see the scale i see the vision of online but for the dollars do you think you could transpose that into you know, uh, a rate of return. And so my question to you is would be to be lobbying for the digital marketing uh, industry to say, no, the scale is much bigger than what you see there than your 10 dinners with 10 potential clients.
0: So it's a very good question. And, um, you know, in sales and marketing, there are different strategies. But at the end of the day, we need to be realistic. Where's the best return investment for my money? Let's say if you take the four thousand dollars, and you know you invest in digital, yes, you can get like exposure on social media and whatnot. But is that the ideal target approach for you? Because your clients are two million dollars plus network, right? Where are they spending <laughs> all their time on Facebook, Instagram, well, Google? They I don't know. There. They might be there, but. You and I know this. These people work hard for their money and they made deals in their lifetime. You know, they build their businesses or through work, whatever that career they were in. The right medium for this would be the golf courses. Be on the golf uh-huh. course. With them. Talk to them. At the end of the day, from my personal experience, 90% of our deals doesn't happen in the boardroom. They happen at a pub, like, you know, late evening, you just chit-chat on what's going on, right? Or lunch breaks. And where that digital piece comes in is, how are you positioning yourself through knowledge, right? Um, So let's say you approach me and say, you know, Krishna, like, this is what I can help you with. This is where you can invest wisely. And we don't have any connection at all. It would be a hard sell for you because I don't know anything about you. But how do you build that persona online? Like, okay, you know, Justin, approach me. I'll just go back and look at your LinkedIn profile. Oh, you know, there's some chats out there. There's some blog posts out there. There's some videos out there. This guy knows his stuff. So the objection of should I even talk to this person just goes away. So now you reach back and say, "Now I know a little bit about you, Krishna." I'm putting together, you know, a dinner event for you know twenty like-minded people, just mastermind, but whatever it is, I just want to catch up with you. I wouldn't have the objection to say yes, you know, because at the end of the day, it's my time commitment to be there. But that wouldn't happen if it doesn't go hand in hand with the distal. Uh-huh. And especially in the finance industry, you can run tons of backs out there. But the only way you build credibility is you pick out a real stock. You pick out a real ETF. You pick out like BlackRock or Citadel or what's happening with Douchebag or, you know, I'm saying Douchebag for a reason there. Uh, <laughs> so when somebody sees that knowledge and expertise online, you just kind of already there. And... This is kind of like you're building your material to shake, showcase who you are.
1: Yeah, no, I think that you've you've helped me understand that it's actually and for listener if you have a business that you know markets we are all, you know, if you have a business, you're usually marketing to someone. Mm-hmm. So and again, you you might be marketing to leaders inside large corporations if you're some sort of, you know, sales or an IT support uh you know, is there any industry that you've seen where there is actually a speed up? So in my case, we talked about, there's always like two stage. You got to create that thought leadership, that kind of uh, sleeve, and then you're doing face-to-face personal things. But for a listener who has a business that is maybe not service-based, is product-based, or, you know, they, they create tangible things. Do you ever see businesses or certain industries that are trending right now, that can execute basically click to sell, or you know scroll to sell kind of models where the person doesn't even have to be involved. Like I think Amazon is kind of like that.
0: Yeah, I was about to say Amazon. Like there are a lot of shops on Amazon; they do really well. So as eBay shops, um, and drop shipping is one of the industries that's kind of very popular, um, and you can automate a lot of things. So as affiliate marketing, um, so as somewhat. Uh, like eXp reality, you know, you you become your mm. franchisee. It's very similar to Remax, but everything online. And everything has its own advantages and disadvantages. Right? Uh, like even being an author, right? You can create like quick eBooks and sell them for a dollar, right? It's just kind of gives that revenue, but is that enough? And what is the best way to approach it? Um, you know, I have done it late marketing. I have done Google AdSense and, you know, placements and whatnot on some of my uh, advertising sites. I have done um, drop shipping uh, and, you know, very specifically Christmas time, what are the best product to sell and whatnot. Uh, everybody looks at um, Alibaba and how do you source these products, right? Um, I of to follow those, at the end of the day, I had to look at if I'm spending an hour to produce, um, you know, X amount of dollars, let's say $250 an hour, that's what I would charge. If it's not giving me that $250 an hour when I'm sleeping, is it worth my time, right? And also how it's not meeting my lifestyle requirements. You know, I can live with $5,000 a month or $50,000 a month, right? And, you know, if you have your own jet and everything, it's a different story. But how do you create those revenue streams using affiliate marketing or Amazon stores, whatever that is? And how do you scale up fast, And one thing I'm really seeing in Amazon um, markets, like a lot of people focus on selling products. Yeah, I found this niche product like the thermal flasks or, you know, wintertime, some nice warming gloves, but they tend to forget about building a brand around that business. So let's say he sold like $50,000 or $100,000 in three months. When you're trying to make sit, you don't have a brand around your products. So basically, anybody that's trying to buy this, you already sold it, made money. What is in it for me? Why am I paying X amount to get your business? But if you can build a brand around what you're doing, have the products on Amazon, that's a different story. You are continuously sourcing your products. You're building your Amazon store. You're building your brand. So you have a value and you can tell the prospective buyer, yeah, I have 100,000 prospective customers in this niche, and you can find other product for this niche, and you're going to make money. It's justifiable. So I think being aware of what's really selling, what's really helps. But again, it's comparative, right? Like Amazon has its own ads platform where you can push these ads. Um, I'll I'll give you a funny example. I set up my Google... um, Amazon actually started back in like 2007, 2008, like way back uh, when I was in England and just moved here. Totally forgot about it. And I think at some point in 2010, I changed to US. You got to be in such a country. And then um, recently I just logged in. Like, you know, you get those monthly report emails. You did not have any sales. I'm like, I'm not promoting this. I have done that, whatever. And there was like $1,500 sitting there. And I don't know where that came from. And these are like, you know, uh, really small amounts of money because most often I used to put the books because I love reading and I used to promote these books. So when you sell a $30 book, you're making like 30 cents. And then when you look at the $1,500 at 30 cents a piece, it's like a lot of sales, right? Yeah. And I just kind of look back like where that came from. Oh, some of these old pages from the old website or some of the links that I put on other blog posts and whatnot, right? Uh, so... Could I have done better by focusing on it. I would have, but again, looking at okay, does it justify the two hundred fifty dollars an hour for me? spending that time on that. So, is it is it is
1: it not realistic for a person to sell a book for twenty four ninety five and sell a million copies, and you know think that they just made twenty four million dollars, and the cost of a book is a lot less than it's sold
0: for, but it's very rare. It's very rare. Um, even like, you know, the Chicken Soup for the Soul series books, like, you know, and they're amazing books. But if you look at the sales numbers, it shows the rank, right? If you go to any of these items, it shows okay. the rank. And, you know, if you're the publisher, uh, then it shows you how many sales happen or whatnot. Over the time, you know, it's kind of like goes down. It's That's why they come up with, you know, chicken soup for the teen kids or a golf war or an entrepreneur um and and you always got to diversify whether it's a service or a product you got to be innovative and stay current with what's happening i mean right now um you know the whole financial markets flipped onto the new crypto world with the digital payments and whatnot and there's still people who think crypto is like you know fad or you know, you're an idiot or you're stupid if you invest money into crypto, but that's where it's going. And it's already switched yesterday. And I don't think like 90% of the population isn't even aware of that. Like if you go back to your TD new service agreement, like, you know, I think it's in section four, your digital ID and we can control everything, you know. And even though that's always been there, but it's done through a different means. And that's kind of inevitable in any industry. So, all these gurus and influencers talking about cryptocurrency all these seven, 10 years building that content. Now it's finally happening, right? So it's hard to tell, but I think when you are passionate about such a subject and you become a professional in it, you keep putting the content out and just be strategic, and one day that's the future and you're there.
1: Do you think that... uh you know, again, we often talk and there's as many books written on it, but having seven income streams and, you know, have a diverse sort of mix of, you know, different assets that pay you, but like, could almost every, everyone have their own Amazon selling account or like, cause you don't really have to invent something to sell. Like you already mentioned Alibaba, people buy stuff on there, put a brand name on it and then sell it for more just based on the brand. And my two part question is, How often have you seen in in your research brands like a a person who has, you know, sells 10 items on Amazon sell that business? Like, do they exit and a company buys them?
0: They do. You know, there are companies like that that acquire multiple stores and just create an entity out of it. And almost it becomes like a, you know, $200 product company, then, you know, 10 here, 10 there. Uh, But where, Uh, it would be strategic is when you're kind of consolidating uh, your suppliers and when you're consolidating your costs and just becoming into one entity so you're leveraging the people from different industry niches basically. You know, the same Mm -hmm. thing that bought a, a golf club would buy something else for his car, right? And how do you leverage that customers to sell products from other segments? And this is you know one thing I always uh, I learned from Jay Abraham, he talks about preeminence, look at other industries and see what is that thing that you can learn from it and leverage that in your industry right and it's the same thing happening if you're buying multiple stores and building up the content and products and then the the list of customers, you just gotta be in a way and keep putting the products out. There's nothing wrong with that, like especially the cost wise I think it's kind of consolidates a lot of costs but the hard part would be would your two or three suppliers can have the products that are relevant to your customers.
1: So, to the first part of the question, listener is listening, thinking, you know, what I'm, you know, working hard in my business, but I would love to have a, you know, recurring revenue stream. I'm going to open up an Amazon store and sell something. Is that similar to the book? Is or is it more realistic to
0: open an Amazon
1: store and sell? items is it yeah, there's is it that things.
0: like book is different and uh with the amazon stores you just got to find the right products and there are a lot of tools that gives you the business intelligence uh i have used a couple that basically shows what are the best selling products in the category how many sales that it has in the last 30 to 90 days and you know where you can get it um and and i think it's all down to the science and looking at the numbers right like with the books, like even my own books, when I put them on Amazon, it costs you like ten dollars for Canada Post, right? Like on top of your twenty four ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine, so your become your book becomes almost like fifty dollars, right? And a lot of people don't want to spend that ten dollars on shipping because you know Amazon Prime, whatever, and they would want it the next day. So if you're kind of expedited shipping like Canada Post, it's like twenty five dollars, thirty dollars, like. There were um some friends who bought books like in Australia and my book isn't available there. So when I sent uh, like a bundle of books, it cost me $165 in shipping. Right. Right. I not make any money at the end of the day on that. But it's just about, you know, you gotta support your network and somebody is interested in this book. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, becoming an author and thinking about you made a lot of money is just a myth unless you're a big guy. But with the products, it's different. It all comes down to finding the right product at the right time and then having that in stock. And how do you manage that stock through uh, Amazon uh, Marketplace? You know, you just kind of ship everything to Amazon and they ship it to whenever there is a sale. Uh, and can that be sustainable? Uh, and it changes from product to product, and you just got to experiment with it. And if somebody's starting over, I think the first step, first step is basically really look at what are the best selling products out there and how fast can you get it. And you know everybody wants to start over when the graph is right there, like you know in the stock market. Oh my God, it's going up and it's already up thirty percent, and I think it's going to go up again, right? Or you look at it, it's a new niche and say you're starting somewhere in the bottom. There's only 10,000 products sold, but you really believe in the product and it's really solving a problem and say, okay, I'm getting in the bottom, so I'm going to make money when it goes up.
1: Yeah, and listener, if you're thinking, uh, oh, maybe I should take on that project, you know, where would you find the time? And if that's kind of what you're thinking, maybe consider your existing business. Where in your own business could you redeploy something repackage something you know contact an existing client or customer and offer something that you haven't cuz there might be you know at the end of the day you're looking for an opportunity and so you know everything requires work remember your business when you started it it wasn't easy to start and so maybe you're in a pivotal change maybe you've sold your business you're looking for the next thing maybe an amazon store is uh, is where you're at VK, can you uh, sum us up with something that you're most passionate about training entrepreneurs and business clients about marketing right now?
0: Um, I love entrepreneurship and I love challenges. I think that's why I became uh, an entrepreneur. Uh, And my focus right now is through Mindset Monk brand, helping fellow entrepreneurs offer that coaching and say, these are the things that you need in your business to become something in two, three years' time. So I look at the longevity and basically piecing out the business and say, you need eight systems in your business, and this is not really working. And sometimes I'm surprised, like a business that existed 20 years in the market, when you look at their logo, it doesn't match with any of the branding, doesn't match with their website or what they're selling as a service or a product. And I tell them, hey, you know, there's a psychology around the colors. And there is a branding process that happens. When was the last time you rebranded your business? Never. I paid two hundred dollars sometime long uh, to get this logo. But just when you look at those elements and say, "I want to become a ten million dollars business or a hundred million dollars business," you got to be realistic in terms of what that's needed. And now I look at these are the things that are missing for your scalability to go from the hundred thousand to a million or a million to ten. And also, I often notice like the entrepreneurs going through that 35 to 40 midlife crisis and thinking, okay, I have done like 300 or 500,000 or 2 million. I need to grow or accelerate. And, and I look at it differently and say, "There, these are the tools that you need to be using to get. Uh, just because, you know, I have seen that and I implemented it with some clients and, uh, you know, there was a thing like, you know, you can... Learn and get the knowledge, but unless you test it and experiment with it, uh, you never know. You don't have the confidence to offer that to other people.
1: Uh, VK, I think uh, we've covered a lot of ground. I'm sure uh, listeners are going to be looking into a few things.
0: And uh, where can people find you online? Um, On my LinkedIn or my website, it's uh, lakkinini.com, dot icom or all my social media handles are VK and Lakkinini.com. V-K-L-A-K-K-I-N-E-N-I VK, thanks a lot uh, for sharing
1: your, your wisdom and expertise this afternoon
0: Yeah, thank you Dustin, thanks for having me
1: Thank you for tuning into this episode If you enjoyed the show, please like and rate the show Share with a friend or use your new knowledge in your next conversation If during the show something gave you a pang of inspiration, motivation or sense of uncertainty Act on it now, get the clarity you're looking for Find the permission you seek Go to servicewealth.com to discover how others are learning how to take Fridays off or buying a recreation property or spending more money. If you're an organizer of an event where you believe my philosophy on finance and lifestyle design would be applicable, go to servicewealth.com and book me as a speaker at your next event. If you want a copy of our new book coming out soon, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook and we will be sure to get you a first copy.